0: In Session with Dr. Farid Holakwi.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Farid Hulakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in 310 441 555 you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show, or suggest topics or books for the program, and the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcasts on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Again, our studio number, 310 441 Today, October 6th, we got some very uh, exciting news uh, in on the global stage. For the people of Iran and the people who are fighting against the regime in Iran today, uh, it was announced that the winner of the Nobel Peace Prize is Narges Mohammadi, uh, who is currently jailed in Iran and has for many years fought against the unfair treatment of individuals in general, but especially women in Iran. And this is a huge and momentous occasion. Um, it's a I think it's a bittersweet one as any kind of victory right, right now would be because of the people who are suffering and struggling and even she is herself in jail and released a statement that was um, I believe released a few days ago in case she won because on Thursdays and Fridays the women of Evian prison are not allowed to use phones as far as uh, I was concerned. Um, have understood so she released the statement of in case she had won because there was um, speculation that she could be the winner so it's bittersweet because of her being in jail so many of others who are still uh, in jail Um, young Armita who's 16 years old who's in a coma and so many others who are still suffering and struggling so it's momentous and joyous on one side but it also reminds us of what the struggle even is and why even these things are happening Um, when we hear this news. So it really is something monumental, though, because uh, hopefully it will bring, it already has, even more attention to what is happening in Iran, what has been going on for 40-plus years, but what has been happening in recent years to uh, overthrow the government and this regime. Um, You know, when you look at the winner of the Nobel Peace Prize, and that means that the rest of the world thinks that this person has been a fight fighter for justice and peace or someone who's bringing about peace in the world. But when you are the person who uh, or the the government that hosts this individual, they are fr- from your country and you put them in jail. That's sending a message or the, the world is sending you a message that um, you are the ones that have. A problem, the system is a problem, not your people. So, when you put your people in jail and you're putting someone in jail who wins the Nobel Peace Prize, uh, I think this is a wonderful message and a slap in the face to the regime that you are putting someone that the world, the rest of the world, thinks is a promoter of peace and justice in jail. Who is the corrupt one? Who is the one who is um, causing harm uh, to its people? because she's been imprisoned many times i think uh, imprisoned 13 times convicted five times and currently sentenced to 31 years in prison and she's been in prison since 2021 so she has been doing her work in recently from behind bars and um, just by that suffering also brings again attention to what is happening there but this does send this very clear message that the people or the government of Iran uh, they are the problem not the people of Iran and so I was very happy uh, as many Iranians were to see this news and I hope it reminds us that this struggle is still continuing and still ongoing uh, just about a month ago it was the anniversary of the killing of Massoud Amini um, September of last year and I talked about it on my show and I've talked to many people and this is people outside of Iran and our, at times, hopelessness or our fears that the movement has uh, stopped. There's no more movement or it won't be leading to anything. And I hope today is a reminder that it's still ongoing, that it is continuing. And uh, Mohammadi herself in that statement said that she will never stop striving for the realization of democracy, freedom and equality. And that... Any kind of award or recognition like this just motivates her and inspires her to continue fighting or to work even harder towards bringing about this change. So uh, I saw so many people, including myself, spreading the word of this, and it is everywhere. The Nobel Peace Prize is in some ways the most prestigious prize in a global scale that we have, so it, it can't be ignored, and the people who win it tend to... Uh, understandably receive a lot of attention and that is already the case this just happened today and likely will continue to be but let's share this uh, message with others because um, you know you we can post many things and that has value some things will reach more people and something like this people are unlikely to ignore because the Nobel Peace Prize is so prominent but share not only that she won but her her story and what she's fighting for. And it was recognized even in the uh, Nobel Committee's response that it's, of course, recognizing Nagas Mohammadi and her um, her dedication, her fighting for justice and peace and for the good of the people of Iran. But it also recognizes the women of Iran and the people of Iran in general who have Uh, struggled and who've also suffered. So she is, of course, representative of um, all of them. So uh, in their statement, they said uh, this year's Nobel Peace Prize also recognizes the hundreds of thousands of people who have demonstrated against the theocratic regime's policies of discrimination and oppression targeting women. And so this recognizes not just her, but she does represent the, the many others who are Um, also suffering and fighting for regime change in Iran. Uh, Overall, I've seen just unity and people supporting. You do see sometimes posts of someone else should have won or those things There will always be there. So uh, don't be discouraged if you see anything like that. And, you know, we can have arguments about if we think someone else did even more um, in, in their way, I think those are going to be more costly than helpful. So I hope we just stay unified in promoting the message that we are so proud uh, you know uh, proud to be Iranian to be represented by someone like her um, proud of the people of Iran and all that they've done and also we are motivated inspired to keep doing the work that we can from the outside as limited as it can be at times it can still have an impact to continue to put pressure on um on Iran and pressure on governments to do something about it. You know, it's uh, interesting to see, interesting, maybe not the best choice of word, but to see that the winner of the Nobel Peace Prize is for a woman imprisoned in Iran, and then Iran is on um, the UN Council. Uh, I forgot what the official name of the council is, but related to women's rights. So it's, it's really hard to understand how that could be possible, and many people have rightfully been outspoken about Iran being in any way related to uh, women's rights and promoting that or being uh, responsible for that when they are so uh, they have a gender apartheid regime in their own country where women are not given full rights and are restricted in in many ways. So it really is laughable, laughable in a very sad way that that is the reality, but but so it is. So I hope we'll continue to to spread the word of what has happened. is really exciting news. Um, I was so thrilled to see it and to share it, and and everyone I've talked to about it so far is very happy about it. And so we will continue to do what we can. And remembering that we can only do a little bit, but make sure you continue to do what you can do uh, to promote this message of peace, to promote this message that the people in Iran and outside of Iran do not support the regime, it is a small percentage of people who are just trying to cling to their power by being as ruthless as they can to maintain their power. But uh, the world recognizes that the people they're imprisoning are actually the, the right ones, and that shows us that they are on the wrong side of justice and on the wrong side of things. And um, justice, hopefully, will eventually prevail. Let's do everything we can to continue that movement and that motion. Let's go to a commercial break. Uh, again our studio number is three one zero four four one zero five 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 we'll be right back welcome back in the previous segment talking about what's happening in iran it carries over into this segment which is about the world not being fair Uh, and this is a a complex type of thinking or idea that to me involves many different facets that can be important to think about. And often uh, we use certain sayings that we hear a lot uh, at the wrong time or in an inappropriate way, which is what I also wanted to discuss. So the first part, uh, one way of looking at this or one aspect of it is the world isn't fair. And it's important for us to, to accept that or be aware of that, that we will in our own experience at times looking on a global scale, we'll see things that are not fair and, and will feel wrong. And the tricky part is about accepting it or doing something about it. But even if we do something about it, recognizing that we can't expect it to be totally fair. So we don't want to have that expectation that the world should be fair. I did this, this should be the result, or someone did this, something bad will happen to them. Um, there has to be some expectation that at times it won't be fair that i think is important however this doesn't mean that one we should just accept that it's unfair so even if we expect it doesn't mean we have to accept it and here's where the serenity prayer of um, accepting the things that we can't change and changing or having the strength to change the things we can becomes important because there could be an injustice or something happens that either we can't change or it might not be worth our time but often there are injustices that we can change we can do something about and that's where we want to make sure we are directing our energy in that direction that if something is unfair and unjust we actually listen to that feeling and it inspires us to act and take action and Importantly, when I say that we can change something, it doesn't mean if you do something today, the result will happen today or tomorrow, especially with bigger issues that involve um, social types of movements. The changes happen very, very slow, sometimes over a year. Sometimes you might not see the result of that change or the significant result of that change. Similar to what we've experienced with what's happening in Iran, where people have been struggling and suffering against the regime for over four decades, but we have been talking about this last year, the movement that um, broke out over the death of uh, the killing of Massa Amini. And some people like, well, it's been a year, nothing's happened. Does that mean it's not going to change? Well, I would hope we continue to fight for that change, recognizing these things can unfold very slowly. So we do have to expect that things won't always be fair, but we don't have to accept that they won't be fair and I actually think a big part of our to me a fulfilling life as a human being is to fight for justice is to fight for making a more fair equitable society that that is everyone's responsibility to work towards that and so this is where sometimes people will say well the world isn't fair so if something's happening then what are you going to do about it and that's where I think we're Uh, inappropriately using the phrase or the saying It, it could be good to recognize that we should have an expectation that these things can happen and they will be happening things won't always be fair but not to then accept that or to use that as a justification for things to be that way and for us not to do anything about it just because an injustice will take place doesn't mean we have to sit there and watch it and do nothing about it the reason why we will turn to these types of phrases like, oh, the world isn't fair when something unfair happens. It's multiple reasons. One that I see commonly is if we're talking to someone else who shares something they're going through, it's basically one of the ways, one of many ways that we try to use to invalidate and take away someone's bad feeling. Sometimes we might even have good intentions. We think we're telling them to put that feeling away or to not feel sad because we don't like to see them sad. I don't think it's the right way to approach it, but we want them not to feel bad. But generally, it's our way of just dismissing their feelings. Something happened to you, oh, well, the world isn't fair. But that's not really a satisfactory answer. uh, And it's one that we might use on others more than we will on ourselves when something unfair happens to us. But to me, it's not something that's helpful or beneficial. Eventually, it might be something that comes about in the course of a conversation, but not the initial way of responding to someone who's sharing something they've gone through or something unfair they are currently going through. They say, Well, the world isn't fair. If someone just came up to you and started taking money out of your pocket, you wouldn't just look in the back, Oh, the world isn't fair. Yes, just take my money and walk away. You would say, Hey, you try to stop them, do something about it. So the the world isn't fair. uh, Again, even though we can have that expectation that it will still exist in that way. We're not going to have perfectly uh, a perfectly fair society. It's aspirational. It won't be there uh, probably maybe ever in a perfectly fair society, but it's not going to be there for a while. But it doesn't mean we accept injustice as something okay and that we turn a blind eye. So we do use it often to try to invalidate someone else's feelings so that we feel okay because someone's upset but if we give them the reason why it's okay that what's happening is happening to them it gives us a sense of resolution well the world isn't fair so no one can you know be upset about it let's just move on but that's not at all a satisfactory answer and even personally if it's not about us and we're seeing it happening with others we also do this when it's a possibility that we can take action so we see something unfair happening and there's some kind of injustice in the world whether it's a specific instance of something or we learn of something systemic that's happening or a large-scale problem that's going on and i've talked about this before the collapse of compassion that can occur we see someone suffering, it makes us feel bad. We want to help to reduce their suffering because then I'm going to feel good. The difficult thing is if 100,000 people are suffering, then I realize that I'm, not, I'm powerless if I want to help all of them. I can't fix the problem of 100,000 people. Let's say they're thirsty. If one person is thirsty, I can give them water. If 100,000 people are thirsty, now I feel bad. But then I see that I can't fix the problem to then make myself feel better to take away that bad feeling. So we start to do some mental gymnastics to walk ourselves away from feeling bad. Well, you know, they probably did something that got them in this situation. So not even the world is unfair in this case. We're saying actually it's still fair, but they did something wrong or they did something irresponsible to end up in this situation where they're now thirsty and in need of water or The world isn't fair. Some people have and some don't. I don't have to care about this. I can just let myself feel okay and forget about the people that are suffering. Um, But to me, these are not satisfactory responses and one that admittedly I do all the time myself because people are suffering and I don't pay attention to a lot of that suffering most of the time. So this is something that we I think we all do at some level, but something we want to actively, I think, resist or go against because it goes back to a a comfortable feeling, but not what I would think is the optimal type of experience we would have or the most fulfilling thing, which is to not ignore the suffering, to continue to see it and to recognize this is not okay and do something about it. I've seen this bringing it back to the situation you're on personally and also with clients who from early on. Uh, last September when we started seeing more uh, visible protests and people in the streets and so much was happening that people were watching the news and it was taking a toll on them watching so many stories and people getting arrested, hurt um, you know, detained and, and affected in so many ways people were just heartbroken by seeing this repeated pain and even somebody seeing the violence that was part of these videos was taking a toll on people. And with many of my clients, it was something that we would talk about, how they could find the right balance for themselves, where uh, they want to stay informed, they, they want to care, but they were also realizing it was taking a toll on them in their personal life. Sometimes they were parents and seeing that it was affecting how emotionally available they were for their kids because they were so angry, distraught, irritable from what they were seeing in the news that they had to be mindful of what they were doing and of course all of this i must say when we're talking about suffering from watching the news it's unfair to think of it that way when we consider there's people that are actually experiencing it they're the ones that we are observing and even observing it is painful so we we can't underestimate and minimize what those people are going through or they're they are the ones that are The actual victims are the ones suffering from it. So I do want to make that point clear. But nonetheless, we do get impacted from watching it. So it depends on who you are in a certain situation. You have to be aware of your circumstances, your responsibility, and your role. Um, uh, The book I was talking about Monday night was about psychological first aid and people responding to a crisis and, and being there to help people stabilize in an emotional, an emergency or crisis or trauma. And the last chapter was about self-care, about how you can't be there for other people if you are not taking care of yourself. You can only do that for so long. And so with many of my clients, that was something to explore. How do I stay informed, stay engaged, continue to, to post or do whatever I can in my small ways but to make sure I'm doing that, but make sure I'm also okay. And it's, it's not something black and white or straightforward Uh, the biggest step of taking care of ourselves or taking care of anything is the awareness so that self-awareness being mindful of how you're being impacted by what you're seeing and what you're doing so that you can do it for a longer time so you don't burn out and I did see that I'm sure you've seen that and possibly experienced it yourselves even I think I see it in myself at times having this experience of feeling a bit burnt out with what was happening in Iran Um, I say that half embarrassingly because I know again they're the ones that are suffering but realizing this sense of is it is something going to happen should I keep posting what's the difference should I give up Uh, those thoughts did cross my mind or come up in some ways and I say that not to be proud of it but just because I think others might maybe have experienced it and if you got there just something to be aware of to um, resist that potentially natural place that we can get to When we're caring about something or being impacted by something, but unsure of what's happening or what will happen, the the giving up feeling is a natural one that comes up that we have to resist. And we might think, oh, what's the point anyway? You know, you'd hear these kinds of arguments. Well, what's the point anyway? Um, Why should I even do this? Why should I support it? Why should I say anything if nothing is going to change? So we get to a point of just wanting to give up that it doesn't make a difference. And Uh, this is why i emphasize focusing on your responsibility rather than focusing on a result that you might not see anything change but if you think you can do something that might help and that is your responsibility that it's important to meet that responsibility 100 percent as much as you can to continue to do that so coming back to this theme of the world being unfair um yes It very much is. Unfortunately, you don't have to look very far and you can see many, many instances of the world being unfair. But I hope we won't use that uh, as an excuse. Again, we can expect it, but not accept it. That I understand that things will be unfair in the world, but my point or my uh, purpose should be to notice them and do something about them. See what I can do to help make it better in whatever ways that I can that is my responsibility and to not use the world's unfair as an excuse to give up and to not have to care and even you know sometimes i see people will deride or make fun of people who do care oh look at these people that are trying to help do you think it makes a difference you know oh you did one thing that end racism or did it end hunger or did it end this and it's really such a childish mindset to think about um one action has to either fix the problem where it's not meaningful or you shouldn't do it it goes back to what i was saying before the feeling that we can have that either i want to fix the problem or i should find a way to not care about it but you can um, actually put those two together that you can't fix it but you can still care about it so if you find people making fun of you for caring about something um, you don't have to try to convince them necessarily of where they're coming from but just know that If you're caring and caring for the right reasons right reasons means to help the people that are suffering not to make ourselves look good then you're you're doing the right thing and so don't worry what people will say or how they'll judge you it's always an easier place to be to not care about things you know you always look um cooler or like you are the more um, stable one when you don't care about something you know i remember being in a group of people and someone was really distraught about a certain social issue I won't get into what it was and they started to cry about it and so there is this reaction we have that when someone's crying the the goal is to get them to stop crying and I recognized that the rest of the group was just trying to convince this person of why they didn't need to be so sad about it you know some of these types of lines of um, you know the world isn't fair or You know, maybe they did something if they are suffering or struggling or we have to just let them be and a bunch of different things and and I did make a comment because I was struck by this notion that maybe this person that is sad about the issue we see them as the one who we need to help but maybe they're the one that has the most realistic perspective on what's going on they're the one that's actually looking at what's there and taking it in and they're upset because something upsetting is happening you know if we see suffering our, our healthy response is to be hurt and upset by it. If we ignore it and we think that's the way to be, that's probably you know, not gonna be the healthiest response. Um, and seeing her tears was a reminder that maybe that's that's actually the healthy response, is to be upset by suffering, not to ignore it. So the world won't be fair. It won't be fair in my lifetime. I don't expect it to be perfectly fair and in any of uh, anyone living right now their lifetime but what can we do to make it more fair that everyone's suffering that we help each person has value and remembering that rather than getting into black and white thinking that can make us think either i have to fix a problem completely or find a way to not care about it you don't have to do that so to conclude the segment we can expect that there will be unfairness in the world, but that does not mean we have to accept it. And we can also recognize that we can't fully fix a problem, but that doesn't mean we should stop caring about the problem. We should just do what we think is right. What's my responsibility, whatever I can do to help in whatever way I can, because to live a fulfilling life, we have to recognize the injustice in the world or make ourselves aware of it and do what we can to make it more fair and more just all right let's go to another commercial break studio number three one zero four four one zero five 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 welcome back let's go to a caller radio Hamra, you're on the air hello hi thanks for calling
0: and thank you for taking my call i have question, uh, which is not uh, related to your topic. No problem. Uh, But, uh, you know, I uh, have some sense of like giving up on my goals. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have many goals. I kind of came to the point, like have 10 goals and I look at them and I say, okay, I want to do this number one and then I want to do number two. I do a little bit of each, but it's like kind of I am not able to focus on one of them and get one dot, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and I don't know how to fix myself. I, I try, you know, and like kind of to find a way, but it's not kind of, again, I do the same things again mm-hmm. and
1: again. Well, you know, what you're describing, um, I would find it hard to believe anyone listening right now can't relate to what you're saying at some level. So it's not to say that what you're going through is nothing because everyone's going through it. But I just say that so you realize, um, you know, the way it might feel to you is like, why can't I do these things I want to do? That's, I think, one of the biggest struggles we experience as human beings that we, you know, we make decisions and behaviors that don't uh, aren't good for us long term. We make goals and we either give up on them or don't do what it takes to get there and it could be very frustrating. And I don't want you to, you know, because of that totally take your, yourself off the hook. Uh, I do still want you to, you know, we'll talk about it, see what you can do to help yourself, but to recognize that this is a, a challenge for everyone. There's no one that says, I'm going to make a goal and no matter what, I'm going to do it every time. That That's just, there's no one like that. And, and someone tells you they are either, they're probably lying or they haven't really set any goals. Uh, that are significant because it just doesn't work that way, that we just do exactly what we want. It seems bizarre because you think, well, you know, if I'm me, why am I not doing what's best for me? But, you know, I think a good way of understanding human beings is that we have a variety of desires or parts of ourself, you know, that it's not just one thing we're more complex than that so you make that goal and you're in a certain mindset but then when it comes time to execute it different things come up from the feeling you have in the moment making you take the easier route also a big thing is our comfort or even if we're unhappy doing the same things feels more comfortable than doing something new and there's other issues that come into play as well so it's a fairly common one I can relate to you absolutely that I've been there many times where I set a goal or have these big goals or big plans and then I don't do them or do it for a little bit and give up on it. So it's a pretty human experience. But I do want, since I'm talking to you, uh, to have you share what you go through because not everyone's solutions will be the same of how they can help themselves to be better at this, never perfect at it, but get better at it. So what do you, what do you see happening for yourself? What do you experience?
0: So, I uh, kind of, I have a goal, like to specifically tell you, I want to do my CPA exam. Okay. And uh, in other parts, I want to do kind of, because I had a bachelor from Iran, I am eligible to sit for the CPA exam, but I didn't finish my bachelor's degree here. So, I have a couple of classes to finish that and then when i want to do kind of the exam i just think oh i have to study for a school and then i kind of a little bit study for a school then i say oh i love to read about this topic in philosophy or (laughs) psychology (laughs) and like i want to read this kind of book i want to kind of listen to kind of Doctor Holakui program, I want to do the other thing. (laughs) I mean, that's a lot of things, and I end up to pick up like the one I love, but it's not helping me to reach the goal. And I just see, oh, it's two years. I have this goals in front of me, only when I am not one step close. Mm -hmm.
1: So, yeah, which the reason why I, I laughed, you maybe heard me when you said the part of, you know, what philosophy book I want to read is, you know, so I, there's a, a phrase I like what people call productive procrastination. And so often, you know, well, first let me say procrastination, we tend to think of it as, oh, the person is lazy or, you know, undisciplined and all these things. And it's not to say that discipline, it definitely has value and it's something real, but a bigger part of procrastination is usually anxiety that something about either the task that we're currently doing or what we're working towards in that task makes us anxious and so we avoid it. So someone has to write an essay or a paper for school, they look at the blank screen, they get anxious about what if I, you know, don't write a good paper, how do I start the paper, what should I do? And all that anxiety makes them want to go away from it and to do something else. And then so productive procrastination, you know, going back to this, like we have different parts of ourself, what happens is, you know, we're trying to trick ourselves into going away from this thing that's making us uncomfortable. So reading, let's say studying for the CPA exam, you open the book, it's starting to make you a little bit anxious. You might have thoughts like, what if I don't pass? What's going to happen? Or even what if I do pass? That's something also I want to talk to you about. That might make you anxious about what responsibilities or opportunities that opens up. And then that anxiety comes like, you know what? I really always wanted to read that book. Or, I didn't hear Dr. Halakwi's show from yesterday and that really helps me learn about life or something. Or, you know, people's house is never as dirty as when they have something to do because all of a sudden everyone, when they have a task they have to get done, it's like, oh, I need to clean the dishes and scrub the floor and do all these things because we want to get away from the thing that's making us anxious and, and do something else. And there might even be something about cleaning giving us a sense of calm. That people like that if things are more clean, we feel calm about it. So that could be another reason why that yeah, one yeah. comes that's,
0: up. That's exactly something happening to me. I woke up like 5 a.m. I said, okay, I will study. And then I said, oh, my God, I have to fold this clothes. You know? I <laughs> yeah. have to clean this place.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, that's a very common experience. So let me ask you this. Let's focus on one of them. And, well, and just so I'm clear, do you have to finish the the undergraduate degree to take the cpa exam or you don't need to do that
0: no i i don't need to finish that but like when i think i just said okay if i i have a good job right now Mm -hmm. in my profession uh my major but i think if i want to change the job in future i have i need to show i have a degree from here you know okay and then i just think oh it's gonna be kind of more respectful if I get my CPA then it's like kind of I want to do everything but then kind of I am a little bit old like I am 47 and just uh, sometimes I think oh maybe I am so mentally tired and I just kind of not want to move on I, I mean I look at myself from different perspectives
1: yeah which is because the it, it's a good and a bad thing it. yeah i mean i i don't know personally what you're going through but at 47 i don't think there's anything that uh, you know you're limited in what you can do so probably that's that's an excuse of i can't do it or i'm not able to do it I'm sure you can. And something you said that's really important. You said, you know, I want to do 10 different things. And we want to do 10 different things. We do none of them, you know, we don't do any of them well. We have to pick, especially if it's in a certain domain, one thing and do that one thing now and then forget about those other ones for a little while until we finish that one and then go to that next one. So if you try to get your CPA and your bachelor's degree at the same time, you're going to do neither of them, you know. So I would in- encourage you to pick one of those that you think is the more important one maybe even the one that can be done in a shorter time just to get yourself going on these things and focus on that one and only that one and you will likely experience that when you start that one it's like oh but shouldn't I do the other one because that's the anxiety trying to get you away from what's making you uncomfortable which is doing this yeah, thing. yeah
0: that's that's the like the anxiety kind of I feel like oh I am getting old and then Kind of i am nowhere kind of i am i done a lot of work in my life but still i am not happy with the you know and sometimes i said you know if i wasn't lazy if i wasn't more kind of uh, tax oriented goal oriented i would be in the better place than what i am right now but then i say, oh i have to give myself a little kind of break. Yeah. you know it's a lot of work i have done And then uh, I just, you know, I cannot give up on my goal and I cannot put the kind of energy and like the kind of uh, work it needs.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I do want you to give yourself a bit of a break when you're, you know, from beating yourself up and from recognizing that you've done a lot uh, while also giving you the responsibility of what do you want to do next. You know, so, you know, we have... Regret is one of those feelings that people think is a, a bad one. You know, I hear people say you should never have regrets or I have no regrets and they think that's a good thing. But actually regret can be a helpful emotion because it looks like you are looking at these last few years and you have some regret as that you didn't do either one, of, one or, you know, these are two things and maybe other ones as well. And I don't want you to beat yourself up or to ruminate and get stuck in it. But I do hope you recognize, okay, if this is how I feel about not doing these things for these years, what if I'm then 55 and looking back at myself now? How much would I regret, or what would I regret not doing, and how much to to hold on to that feeling? And be like, okay, then I don't want to to give you know do that to myself. I don't want to regret these things. So, what can I do now, learning from what I regret from these past few years? And what is it that you would want to do for yourself if you were looking? A few years ahead to look back now, what would you want to do?
0: So, for sure, I want to kind of finish my degree, and I want to do my CPA. This okay. is very important for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, which one do you think it makes sense to do first?
0: So, I think the CPA is going to be much more important because, like, when I get that, nobody going to look behind that or what degree i have
1: you know yeah that seems i I don't know the details of your career but i could see that being reasonable that once you have that there's you know people don't look back behind that maybe you would like that yourself are you an accountant or working in an accounting firm yes okay so i would imagine the cpa would increase your earning potential and also just the, the opportunities you would have
0: A little, but not, you know, kind of not much difference. Okay. But like kind of, it will bring more opportunity, not financial, not in the place I am right now, but hopefully it's gonna, I'm gonna have more opportunity.
1: Okay. Um, now I don't know if this will sound strange, but is there any reason why you think you don't deserve to have the CPA?
0: No, I I don't think I don't deserve, you know, I am so ambitious. Yeah. I think I deserve everything. Mhm. And then the the point is like kind of sometimes I feel oh, it's not going to make that much change. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I I came from Iran. I start from zero level in US.
1: How old were and you when you I, how old were you when you came to the US?
0: I I came 11 years ago. I was like 32.
1: 32. Or, thir- oh, sorry, you're 47 now, sorry. Okay, so about 36, yeah, okay.
0: And then I start from like kind of retail jobs and I went to a school, I kind of studied and worked seven days and I kind of pushed myself to get a accounting job. And then finally I got the accounting job. And now I want to have the CPA.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and first of all, Coming here at that age and, and starting as you did and building yourself up, as we were talking about before, I hope you will give yourself more credit and and um, feel proud of what you have done, even though right now we're talking about what you haven't done or what you want to do. But I think it could be very important to recognize that, that you started there and, and built yourself up. Uh, And I think, and I know you said in a way, I want to do everything or I think I should have all of that. Um, And the reason why I asked you is because sometimes we don't recognize that there's an anxiety behind even some kind of achievement that could be there. For example, someone is, um, uh, you know, let's say even a therapist working under someone and they're not licensed they want to get licensed, but they might have a fear that once I'm licensed, I'm on my own and that might actually create anxiety that they aren't as aware of. So sometimes as much as we want something consciously, we have some unconscious anxiety that might actually hold us back. This is a very different scenario, but since I gave that example of a therapist, I remember hearing the story of someone who kept failing the licensing exam. And then they realized uh, they had a sick mother and the mother said, I want to live long enough to watch you pass the exam. And so they realized unconsciously they had this fear that if i pass the exam it might give my mom the feeling that she can die that she has that permission to go so they were actually not wanting to pass in a way because of that so we we are more complex than we sometimes will realize and so even though we think of course i want to pass this or i want this progress um there might be things that hold us back that was the only reason i asked that question uh i'm also wondering you came here when you were 36 was that with anyone else other family
0: no i i just came by myself and i didn't have any support from there and i didn't have any support from okay. here yeah i just kind of helped myself okay i mean not have any other help
1: and it's, and not just as, as regards to help as far as friends family romantic relationships what does your life look like right now
0: so i i was in a relationship for a long time and then i broke up last year i kind of i am in a relationship i don't know what's gonna happen you know that's one part like i look at myself and say oh i am 47 i don't have any family i don't have anybody what's gonna happen you know Hmm. Those kind of things, everything come to my brain, and just yeah. like, oh, which one I have to work more on that, you
1: know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that, uh, you know, I could understand those feelings, and then that overwhelmed feeling that might come with it actually might make it harder to to take some action or take those steps. So we are at a commercial break, but I do want us to continue the conversation, looking at you know what you're going through and what you've experienced, and and trying to get to some of these things, and. I do sense just in our conversation and anxiety that probably um, affects a lot of what you are doing or not doing in these regards. So we'll, we'll go ahead and put you on hold and we'll talk after the break, okay? Sure. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back before the break. We're with the caller. Let's go back to them now. Caller, are you still there? Yes, I am. Okay. So I just wanted to check in with you, actually. what Anything come to your mind during the commercial break about what we've talked about?
0: and uh, not, not, uh, nothing, no. Just okay. I was thinking to kind of review my life, but nothing came to okay.
1: my mind. Okay. Yeah, you know, um, I'm sure, you know, we might want, we might get into that a bit. Well, let's see where the conversation goes about, about your life. You shared about when you, you came here and even, I'm sure you had to go through a lot of change. And the way you described it was that you felt very unsupported that you were by yourself. and so that could also impact um, how much you will go into change or might accept things as they are. You know, actually, you were talking, you said, I have a good job. And in a way, that's probably a good and a bad thing, that you you can get very comfortable at a good job also when you realize you might want something better or something more for yourself. So from what you said last segment uh, near the end was that the CPA might be the best next step for you to take. what would it take for you to pass that exam? What, what would you need to do?
0: No, I just need to study nothing else. But okay. I mean, 100% on myself.
1: Yeah, and then studying how, how long do you think something like that would take? And would you do it on your own or take a course, books? What would that entail?
0: Yeah, I have the kind of online course. I have the book. Uh, and I, that's, you know, everything is ready and except me. <laughs> you
1: know, yeah, but, or, uh, or 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 you're know. you're ready. You, well, you're not letting yourself get ready for the test, but yeah, everything is right there for you. It's just taking the action.
0: I mean, yeah, yeah. a lot of times, like uh, as Doctor Holakuiava say, said you have to go ten miles. You go five miles, <laughs> like that. I go five miles, then I go two miles, and then I came back three miles, and then yeah. stay there like long time, and then I forget whatever I study. Kind of, I never push myself to go like
1: on a program to finish mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and, and you know, going to school, sometimes people say, well, you can go to a library and do the same thing, but one of the, there's many things we get from going to school, but one of them is a structure that helps, you know, so it's easy to say, okay, you can study every day on your own, but it's a lot harder to actually execute, especially if you don't have a plan or structure or make a schedule, you know, so if you say, I'll just, I'll study when I have time, You'll probably never study, but if you set aside time to make a schedule to study, that might help you to 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 get more done in that way. Um, but we do want you to go all ten miles in one direction rather than, yeah, as you were saying, go and come back or go try to go in you know five different directions, like you were saying. I want to do ten different things at once. You end up going a few feet this way, a few feet that way, but you end up at the same place at the end rather than getting to any of those destinations. So we do want that um, for you. Does taking the test make you anxious about can I pass this test or not?
0: No, actually I got like one part of that. I went for the test, like the time was four hours and I finished it in two hours and a half. Okay. And I was telling myself, oh my God, it was so easy. I mean, I wasn't prepared for the test. I got like almost 67, 66 out of 100. I was close to passing, kind of, but I wasn't ready enough to pass. You,
1: you mean you actually took the exam and you failed the exam?
0: Yeah, one time I took, you know, the exam and I failed, but, I mean, I wasn't ready enough. Okay. I just kind of, I studied, then I off on studying, not ready, and then I took the exam, and then I failed, and I try to study again
1: that's why i just uh-huh. how how long ago was that that you took the exam and didn't in pass? June. okay so just a few months ago yes okay the way you talked about it was almost like I, I took it without studying or i didn't prepare and i was were you planning to take it from a long time before or did you yeah, just yeah i
0: you know i scheduled that from you know, it's a four section. The te- the exam is four sections okay. and I uh, schedule that one section. I uh, study almost all of that, and then said, "Oh no, that part is hard. Let's take the other part, like the kind of tax part, because I am working on that, and it's gonna be easier." And then I uh, study for that. I finally went to sit for the test, and I get 66 out of 100. Mm-hmm. Then I came home, I said, okay, I'm going to study the other part, the audit part. And I am now middle of the audit. Kind of I studied three parts yeah. one time, but I didn't pass any part.
1: Did you? So you've taken all three parts?
0: No, I didn't. Uh, I studied just four, three parts. Right. I had one exam of
1: three. Yeah, so <clears throat> now we're seeing even within this one part of the thing you're talking about doing, uh of the many things you want to do you're kind of splitting it up and not putting your attention in one direction. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. Even that part, you know. Even inside that uh, goal which is like three parts, I jump from part 1 to part 2 and then 3 and then 1. Mhm.
1: Mm-hmm. Kind of like that. Yeah. And so as I was saying, you know, this is a way I think of avoiding taking the test although you're saying you're not Anxious about not passing. I think how I would hear what you're saying is that you know that if you study a good amount, the right amount, you will pass. Yes. But that's the that's the hard part is getting yourself to that point. But it yes. does seem like there's some anxiety there about taking the tests or or passing the tests. And you took the, that one back in June and you didn't pass. Um, you don't think you studied enough, and you still got close. But you know that that could affect your confidence or how much you want to go into the next test because I can imagine it wasn't a great feeling when you didn't pass or what was that like for you in June when you didn't pass the test
0: so no you know I went for the test and when I had the test I said oh my god that is so easy and I was feeling very good even I knew I knew I I am not passing the test but I said oh that was a good challenge I have to do more those of this challenge you know Yeah, because that makes me feel better. And then I came because I had I paid for the other part of the exam. I said, "Okay, I'm gonna take the other part." Mm -hmm. When I didn't pass that, and then I'm gonna go again for that.
1: Okay, so yeah, it does seem like it wasn't it wasn't as hard as you thought it was going to be. But at the same time, you were much less prepared than you wanted to be. Yes, because if you were yeah, so it seems like you went into it thinking you you probably couldn't pass it or it's going to be too hard Yeah, yeah, I
0: knew, but, you know, because I scheduled that and I didn't have any option to postpone that, I said, okay,
1: I will get the test. Yeah, well, I think it was good to go through it because we see that you actually learned a lot from it about how um, it's not as hard as you even imagined it would be, so it was a good experience. And just sitting through, even if you've been in other exams, it's always good to sit through a certain exam to know what it's like, the protocol, what to expect, um, and that, that's all good. Now, I, I know you. when we talked before you came on, you mentioned self-sabotage as a phrase. And there is a way that even the way you talk about taking that first test is like you walked in expecting to fail or not being prepared but still taking it. So there is a way that you it, it almost felt like you didn't give yourself a chance to pass
0: you know i know if i study if i do something right there is no way i fail. but then i don't do that mm-hmm. you know i kind of i know the way to do something right but mm-hmm. still i am not doing that yeah the right
1: way. okay and so, that's
0: what i think oh maybe it's some self-sabotage it's that issue well and i it, work again as myself
1: well yeah and you know and self-sabotage as a phrase we hear it a lot but what we always want to look at is but why you know so and and let me ask you I have some thoughts on it why do you think you might be like sabotaging yourself why would you do that
0: Uh, kind of I I mean when I think I analyze myself I said oh what I am doing that for I don't Mm -hmm. have anybody I don't have any kids I don't have any family here so what why should I do that you know
1: well, why should you do that? Don't, don't you deserve it yourself?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's part of me to go for those, but when it's come to put the work, it's come that part coming take over.
1: Hmm. Well, well, you know, not that I, I do think you're, you, you know, comes up as an excuse to not put in the work, but it does seem like you're bringing up this sense of how do you feel about your life overall?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, that's uh, kind of, I try to feel good, you know. But then part of me, because, like, the culture, because, like, the the way I grew up, I feel, oh, I don't have anything. I I am nowhere, kind of.
1: Well, what is it that you want when you say I don't have anything? What do you want?
0: I mean, kind of, uh, I, part of me, I feel I have what I want. Mm A part of me, I feel, oh, no, I wish I had a kid. I wish
1: I had someone to kind of try to work for that person. Well, I mean, relationships are a very meaningful part, in some ways the most meaningful part of life. So I don't want to undermine that. And also I don't want us to get sidetracked and do it. you You were talking about focus on 10 different things and then not get to any of them Um, but when you're saying you know you sit down to do the work or think about doing the work and then you think well what is it all for I don't think that's all just an excuse there is something there that you want more for your life and you know you mentioned even relationship and being in one for a while that ended last year but, but there could be something there that feels missing in your life also that you do want something doesn't mean you shouldn't do the cpa it's not mutually exclusive that you either have to have a relationship or go get your cpa but um there's something in your motivation and will to live or your life that you seem to be struggling with
0: i yeah i mean the motivation is a very like a important thing which Mm -hmm. i have at first and i want to kind of start something and then after a few days it's gone like it's not there anymore or it's not strong enough to kind of take me through that way.
1: Mm-hmm. And what do you you know I know you're saying you then will read other things or do something else but what do you feel like you do instead of of studying if you look at how you use your time?
0: So I read book about like the kind of different things like philosophy self-esteem, you know, kind of, you know, any book, like, most like in personal growth. Mm-hmm. I I read and I watch a lot of video about that, you know, kind of, I don't know, it's kind of buffering or, well, uh, the, you know. Yeah, and maybe the yeah. video,
1: you know, the, when you said buffering, I thought you meant first the videos, but yeah, there there is, you know, what you're actually mentioning here is something I noticed, I noticed more and more that i'm very big on people working on themselves and of course going to therapy and reading and reflecting and doing all of that sometimes we can get focused on that part of things the the reading reflecting watching videos and not necessarily taking the actions that Mm -hmm. we should be learning from from that you know so someone has relationship issues and then they'll go read everything on relationships and see every video but the the biggest thing they need to do is to put themselves back in relationships to have experiences to do something different you know and, and all of that so I don't know do you do you think that could be part of what you do is you focus on the intellectual side of it rat? that's yes. okay yeah yeah that's
0: that's the main thing you know like sometimes I said okay I have to just pick two advice and continue with mm-hmm. those and I will be
1: good, you know. Yeah, yeah, or uh, exactly. I
0: feel, okay. I have to read this book to find out what is wrong
1: with me. Yeah, and it's and not, I, and it's not going to be in there, the you know. Yeah. What is wrong with me? And, and then, maybe, and that's and that itself, the way you're even saying that, what's wrong with me? I mean, we all have issues and things to to work on, but you know, it's not going to be. It's almost like it looks like you're looking for it, and the feeling is like you're going to find it in one book, and then it's going to give you the solution to your life. Where, you know, your life will still be hard, but nothing is necessarily as wrong with you as you probably think. You know, there does yeah. seem to be something there, this deeper feeling of something is wrong with me. And that type of a feeling you're describing won't be fixed in a book or you won't find it in a book. It's something that is probably intangible. The way I'm feeling what you're describing is... a like a, a deeper self-esteem feeling that something, you know, I I see it so much in clients, it's heartbreaking, the sense of something's just wrong about me. And and, the, and I don't even know what, but something is not right about me. And people will see that, or people see that, or it's just there when it's really nothing. But because it's intangible, it also can't be fixed, unfortunately, as easily as something that's like, oh, I, you know, wish I had studied this, or I did something, it's, it's something deeper. So I don't know if that's the feeling you have of something Deeper, quite not quite being right
0: yeah i i I don't know, even you know like I know a little bit, but I don't know exactly what is the issue I have, I'm just guessing, oh, probably is that, probably you know, kind of finding excuse for myself,
1: hmm, well, yeah, in a way, it does find an excuse because it might prevent you from taking some actions, but I also think it's something. It's not real as in something is wrong with you, but the feeling is real that you you carry with yourself that might affect you in this way. Now, since we brought up this this part of the issue, I want to talk a bit more because this is something that I think is important to get to because it might even affect taking action, doing things for yourself, all those other things that have come up. So this sense of something underneath not quite being right and maybe you can, uh, during the commercial break, reflect on it's not going to be one moment, but where you see that coming from. And then let's continue after the break. Okay. Sure. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back before the break. We're with the caller. Let's go back to the now caller. Are you still there?
2: Yes. I am. All
1: right. So before the break, um, we were talking about this sense of deserving or how you feel about yourself. And I wanted you to reflect on what comes to mind. My guess is you're going to have, a good amount to say because you're someone who's reflected on yourself a lot. So what comes to your mind of where that could be coming from?
0: Uh, you know, I, I just, what I think is like, I always, I have to motivate myself and a lot of time since childhood, I have to stand in front of the world and I say, okay, I want this and I will go that without any support.
1: So And then, yeah, so, whatever... Mm-hmm. Go, no, go ahead
0: whatever I did I did by myself like nobody said okay go get that you know or go study go do this you know Hmm. and even right now when I am like doing something outside I do much better than when it's come to myself like something it's just like if I go to the office and I start studying there I gonna do much better you mm-hmm. so that if I sit in home, even I don't have any distraction, anybody to disturb me, still I'm going to find kind of something to go for that, like wash dishes, clean the house, or do some other stuff mm-hmm. which is not important.
1: Well, um, everyone has that to a degree. We're going to do better when people are watching us or we have some kind of accountability, which it might even be something... For you to think about when you're making these plans and goals for studying for the exam. If there's someone externally that can help keep you accountable to keep you on track. But the way you described your childhood, yeah, there's a very isolated feeling of, you're, you mentioned coming here, feeling unsupported, but it seems like that was an old feeling for you, that you felt that way when you were younger. Were you not getting the attention from your parents, love, validation that you wanted?
0: No, I like kind of you know they they were like on a war even what is parenting and they had like eight child you know they had a lot of problem they were buried in the problem and they couldn't give attention to each child you know as long as you can survive okay you're good on your own
1: yeah so you're That's saying there's the was eight. I grow up. yeah so there was eight so you had seven siblings yes and what was what about with them did you have any you know, any, any of them, someone that you would get that kind of support or validation from? It's not the same as from a parent, but did you get that from any of them?
0: No, like, uh, you know, kind of what they think, they think, oh, you're good, you don't need to go farther. You know, always mm-hmm. they were like that. Hmm. And I was the one, I said, okay, I see something and I have to go for that.
1: Yeah, but that's, it's interesting the way you said that, you're good, you don't have to go farther. It's kind of like how you've been, what you've been doing. I know you're saying you want to do more, but that's been what you, as far as the action goes, you feel like you've been stuck in that at, at, at lately. You've done, uh, you talked about how you kept building before, but it seems like recently you felt stuck in this, like, it's good, you don't have to go further um, mindset. Yeah, yeah, sometimes
0: I feel, oh, maybe that is coming up, you know? Yeah,
1: M- it could be. There also is a sense of, you know, you're talking about, you know, if you're at the office, you do better and, you know, saying if you're seen, we might perform more, but there's this way that you were, you describe yourself, although surrounded by many people, I would assume eight siblings and two parents, uh, yeah, eight siblings total. Um, there's almost a way that you've, you, you're describing yourself as invisible or that you weren't seen in a way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and that could be that it made you more accustomed to that being alone, feeling even again being around people, but being alone. Because I think it's something that hearing you talk about your life, I think could be lacking. Is the not just romantic relationships, but relationships in general? Do you um, how do you feel about not just romantic, but friends, people you have you're close to? Do you have those kinds of connections?
0: I, I have some friends, yeah, you know, not many, but I have two, three friends, I have good relationship with them, but sometimes I feel, oh, I don't have time, you know, I want to be with them, but I don't have that much time to put. Okay. Yeah.
1: When you say time, I mean, it's a time is this interesting thing, because sometimes we have so much time for some things, but not enough for others, and we realize it's not necessarily the amount of time, but... We might not want to do some of those things or put different priorities. No, no, in
0: I, I, I want to do like a lot of time in weekend, I spend time with my friends, you okay. know, and sometimes uh, like I try to be with them, but in the other hand, I say, okay, I would love to go like in the evening to shopping with my friend, but then I say, oh, I have to go home and study
1: okay well, and then I have to, yeah know. when you say go home and study then do you sometimes study or there's a lot of times where you you don't study
0: yeah i i, I came home i you know of like studying for my exam i study i read books you know? <laughs> it
1: so then we can see that it's not about the responsibility it's a preference you're choosing yeah yeah so that's what i meant by you you do have the time you might yeah. be choosing to do something differently with it or you know and there's also this sense we can have of when we have we think we have something to do um you know for example people will be studying and they're like well let, friends will say let's go to dinner and like no i don't have time and then they'll find that they wasted three hours at home not studying and they could have went to dinner and come back and probably been more efficient because they got this break and recharge but there's sometimes this feeling of this anxiety of like no I can't do anything else because I have this thing to do but then we might not even do that thing itself but um, there, there probably is a comfort you have in being alone a bit more than I'm, I'm sensing it from you that it could be a comfort zone for you if, not to say it's bad to enjoy these things of reading these books but there might be a comfort where you, you go towards that rather than towards people
0: Yeah, you know, like when I was in the relationship with my ex, he was my friend, he was my boyfriend, he was my family, everything. And then when I broke up with him I said, Oh my god, what I did because right now I lost everybody
2: Hmm. and I
0: tried to make some friends and I said, Okay, that's better because if I lost one I have the other one.
1: Well yeah, like yeah
0: for for a long time I was doing like that.
1: Yeah, and you know, uh, even the way you described your relationship, um, that is a way we talk about relationships a lot, or especially in love songs or movies, you're my everything, my my best friend, my family, and, and some of that is, is good, but really, when we play that out in reality, it can lead to an imbalance, so Yes, the person might be your best friend, but not like your only friend, and that does happen sometimes, and we can put too much in our relationship, and even when it goes well, that might not be healthy to have that imbalance in our life and to expect so much from one person, but what you experienced was even worse that when you lose that person, then you feel like, well, you have nothing, because they were literally, in your your social sense, everything. Um, you said you ended that relationship. What happened there?
0: Mm-hmm you know I knew the relationship is not good for me and I continued that for kind of nine years and then you know every I went I said oh I want to break up with my boyfriend and I wasn't able to do that Hmm. so at the end I kind of broke up but I wasn't thinking oh it's seriously I was kind of treating him and then I said oh he went and he got engaged and I just was kind of like going through a lot of pain Hmm. for a while.
1: But the way you describe the relationship, you're saying it wasn't the right one for you. Um, What what made you say it's not the right one or think it's not going to work?
0: So, like, when I came here in this country, like, 11 years ago, I was by myself. I didn't have friends, family. I just kind of find this person and say, oh, that's good because I can trust him. He's safe.
1: Hmm. But, what like, what made him compare,
0: safe? I mean, he wasn't like kind of like compare with other men I I saw before. I say, oh, they can like kind of abuse me, or they can do like lie to me, or a lot of issue. You know, when I was comparing with kind of in Iran, how it was,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I have to be careful. But I say, oh, this person is good. It's like kind of very respectful, very kind of polite, and then I mm, become to kind of be very friend with him, you Mm -hmm. know, and like talk, and I was thinking, oh, any time in the day I can pick my phone and call him, and it's feel good, you know. Mm -hmm. And then, but from the other part, his education, his kind of uh, job, nothing was kind of matching me like any other part of that and I was thinking oh in like when we start I was like very kind of down and I try go to a school I try to improve my life my job but he, he wasn't moving anywhere hmm. and sometimes I was telling him you know I get a book I read at least half 50 page 60 page I may not finish but I want to do something and I go forward. But I never see you read a book. I never see you do something. And I mean,
1: it was all those issues, and
0: then hmm. well, a well, lot of other things. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, well, and maybe we can get to those. Maybe we won't. But it was interesting. The thing you said at the end is the same thing you say to yourself that you feel like you don't, you know, do something. You might do those things like reading the book, but they're not. You're, you know, you get frustrated with yourself for not taking action or um, or doing certain things, but the way you describe your relationship what comes to mind is he was safe um, rather than someone you wanted and also uh, makes me want to differentiate between the term safe and stable so stable is good that's someone who's consistent and reliable but it's someone that you also want and you desire but it seems like in your case he, he was safe in the way that of course we don't want to we don't want to ever be with someone that can, that would hurt us but it seemed like you were more, it was like you you didn't want to lose. You didn't want to be able to get hurt more than to be with someone you really want to be with.
0: Yes, yeah, you know, like kind of maybe I was saying, okay, I am here. I am not in the position I want to be. And if I want someone in like in my ideal idol position. That's not going to pick me, accept me. So this person is the best I can go with
1: right now. I mean, there's some, uh, I, I mean, I do think we have to be realistic in love too, but there's a way that you're you're describing it like um, the person I'm going to be attracted to won't want me, so I have to be with someone I'm not really attracted to or I don't really want. And But then you're also saying you stayed with him for nine years, even when it seems like your circumstances changed and you're actually saying you were frustrated with him for not growing or changing but you stayed there and so there is this theme of staying stuck a bit that seems to come up you know even now you're saying about the CPA and so going back to something you said earlier I think and we can a lot of people might have this feeling it's the sense of maybe I don't deserve anything or I don't deserve a lot or I deserve the world and you might go back and forth between those like I should have everything but then sometimes when it comes time to get it you're not sure if you deserve it or you can have it, and then so you kind of settle back in with just what you have and what's safe.
0: Yeah, I, I was, like, I was talking to my therapist. is even, like, lastly, I told her, you know, sometimes I think about myself, and, you know, I see if I was another person and I came, do I pick myself up kind of between the other people or not? And
1: I am not sure about that. Hmm. Well, sometimes it can be good to look at the outside at ourselves. But I also think there's a way that you look at yourself in a negative way, too, that you don't give yourself enough of that credit of who you are already deserved to be loved as a child. And you didn't get that. And you still hold on to that feeling that I'm not going to be picked because I didn't get picked. So... I do feel like there's a way that your life in a relational way, in a way of being seen, never got started in some ways, like the way you're describing it. You didn't get what you needed from childhood of being seen and validated. It almost feels like some things feel on pause for you, like life is going to start later. Um, But then I think you're realizing you're 47 and and time is going and that's, that's not the reality of what you're experiencing on the outside. And so there's that that fear that type of midlife crisis that can come up of what's happening with my life what's what's going to be of become of my life that might create some of that that anxiety so yeah i do feel this way and even going back to the sense of um reading the books and watching the videos which has value but there's a way that that also is part of not necessarily living life but thinking about life you know yeah
0: you know entire my life you know uh, I was thinking, oh, I have to do this to get in the better position to find better things, yeah. find, like better person,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then kind of move in the ladder in the society. Yeah, and then uh, kind of I right now I came to the place. It looks like nobody valued what I did.
1: Hmm. Well, I it's not that that wouldn't be fair. But I also don't want you to wait to live your life either, you know, that that even you thought you had to go to this, keep improving to get to this better place, but you, you didn't have to do all that. I want you to continue working on yourself and building and growing and doing all those things, but not because then you'll be worth having a relationship with or whatever it is that you thought it was going to give you, but that you deserve to grow in that way, but not, uh, You're you're almost waiting to live and that's. You know, I think that's what you're feeling is also this stress about both ways. Now you're afraid of um, going forward with life, but also of running out of time. And you still have a lot of time. And as I was telling you, when you said I'm 47, maybe I'm losing my, you know, mental strength or those things. I don't think any of that is happening. But I think there's this fear to face life in some way that is still holding you back, that you're not going to ever feel ready to go forward. It's always going to feel scary, the things that you're, you want to do especially when it comes to relationships even this test but when it comes to relationships it's gonna, it's always going to feel scary you'll never feel prepared
2: yes yeah.
1: and so i would encourage you to take you know this the test focus on one aspect of it if you can have one of these friends that you're talking about keep you accountable that would be good find some kind of sc- schedule structure you know, don't just say, I'm going to study when I'm going to study. Really make it in your schedule. And, and at the beginning, put small amounts of time. You know, if you put, I'm going to study tonight from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m., you might not even start because you're like, okay, that's a long time. Just put from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. and that's it. Just one hour at the beginning or 45 minutes and that's it. Just, you know, stop there. Um, but I also feel like from the living your life perspective, there's ways that it's on hold and your your comfort zone is to go... Learn about life more than living your life. And that's something I want you to recognize that, um, you know, please listen to my my father's show and do all those things. That's not bad. But you might be doing yeah,
0: yeah. those. I, I listen to him a lot. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you might do those things in, the, in, in substitute of living those things that are, are being talked about, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I do want you to focus on is living the life more than learning about or thinking about life. Maybe that's even a better way of saying it.
0: Sure. I try to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I uh, if you can, you know, let's um, we'll wrap up the conversation. But call me. When do you think you can take the test?
0: Uh, I actually I have that schedule for uh, this month, October
1: 21. OK. Well, I, and
0: hope... I will do that even. I know I'm not ready. Yet.
1: No, no. Well, that, but, don't, but don't give yourself that excuse. You're yeah. going to be ready. You know, don't tell yourself if in three weeks, I mean, the way you're describing it, you can prepare a lot for it. From what you're telling me, you already know these things pretty well. So it's not like a new, um, a totally new type of material you're learning. So don't give yourself, even the way you said it, there's like an excuse that last time you were saying to, oh, I went into it, not prepared. You know, so there's not that pressure of, well, I was prepared and I failed. Give yourself that pressure that you're going to go into the test ready to take it. Sure, yeah. And I hope you'll give me a call at sometime soon, let me know how you're doing.
0: Sure, I will. I hope I can pass the test and I will call you
1: and let you know. I hope I look forward to hearing that news and and if you didn't even pass it we're going to keep working on it, but um you know, there's a lot we talked about today not just about the test but about living that the life that you want. But good luck studying for the test and we'll talk soon.
0: Sure, thank you. I appreciate your help. Sure. Thank you so much.
1: Have a great day. Take care. Good. All right, let's go to our last commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to... We have a few minutes left. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hambro, you're on the air. Yeah, good
3: afternoon, doctor. Thank afternoon. you for taking my call.
1: Sure. And, you know, I do uh, apologize in advance. We have maybe six, seven minutes, so it sure. probably won't be enough to fully get to the, the question you might have, but let's see what we can do.
3: Sure. Uh, doctor, this is a case of... Uh, 33 year old man who lives in iran Mm -hmm. and he lives with his parents only his mother and his father and he curses a lot towards his parents and he uses inappropriate words and curses a lot and how do you correct a person like that
1: well um yeah, and and I, and I appreciate you said it very briefly because I said we don't have a lot of time. I'm sure there's more to it than, than that to get into all uh, the details of it. But, um, you know, to change someone's behavior, to change even our own behavior is difficult. But to try to change someone's behavior in a different home or even, you know, in this case, even a different country is difficult. And the way I hear what you're asking is he's doing something so wrong how do we get him to stop this thing that's that's so wrong and not okay? And it, it's going to be, you know, clearly there's there's anger there, but also I don't know what the relationship is like with um, you know his, him and his parents. Uh, there's anger there, now is the anger towards them only or is it an anger about life and how he's feeling about life and he takes it out on them? Uh, that's something you know we would have to look at is there we you know we talk a lot about respect and that is an important concept but we always have to remember that respect has to go both ways so are, are we respecting that person that is disrespecting us or have we done that so it's it's tough you know I wish I had some simple answer that if they tell him this it it will stop the only thing I just encourage people in general is when someone is doing something if we just tell them to stop it usually doesn't have much of an impact. What we can try to do is to understand or ask them we want to understand what's going on. So in this case, try to understand what what is, you know, he seems angry, what is he angry about? Now, maybe he tells them, I'm angry that you did this or did that. Um, but that's the, the best we can often do. You know, we can tell someone, if you talk to me this way, I won't talk to you or I'm not going to respond to you. But really to just uh, to change his behavior I, I wish I had something easier to to tell you that you know that would work.
3: Thank you so much, doctor. I think uh, uh, he one of the he has obviously anger towards mm-hmm. his parents because he's coming from a sort of a dysfunctional family. Uh-huh. You know, the parents' relationship were not uh, so great. And uh, he has anger toward his parents, and he he blames his parents for his uh, not having success in his life because there's, you know, as, as you know, there's a lot of unemployment within youth in Iran. Yeah. And uh, somehow you have to live with your parents, and he's 33 years old, and a 33 years old man should not live with his parents anymore, yeah. doctor. You know.
1: I agree. No, I I agree. And that's, and as you're pointing out, you know, any situation we look at, it's the individuals, but they're also within a system. And unfortunately, and it's not just to blame the system a hundred percent, but that, that is going to have an impact here that because of his, you know, being unhappy in his life. And I'm sure the way you're describing dysfunction that his parents, there was things they did that did negatively impact him. And he carries that anger, but some of his anger could also be at, you know life or the lack of the life that he wants to have or feels that he deserves to have but he can't have and they're the the voice that can or the ears that can hear him and he takes it out on them um so you know they possibly can help him uh, see that they can understand his frustration or that he's angry uh, but it does seem like that he's angry with them too that's the hard part here and as i said even if we had a long time it would be very difficult but with, especially in a short time that if he's very hurt or upset with them and they did things that were hurtful doesn't mean it justifies him uh, talking to them in this way, but that it's hard to um, try to resolve this, that he's just probably angry about a lot of things and they're, they're the people that hear it the most or they get the worst of it. So that is pretty, pretty tough. I, I would say, as I said, you know, that it's hard to change even our own behavior, let alone someone else's, let alone someone far away. Um, to uh, not put that pressure on yourself to change it or even that they're going to change it because you can maybe talk to them a bit or be a voice of support, but um, uh, it's not something that it's easy to just change it. Even if we see something we think is so wrong, doesn't mean that we're going to have the power to change that.
3: Well, thank you very much, Doctor.
1: Yeah, again, I know I couldn't be much help, but I, I appreciate your call and, uh, yeah, wish you the best. Thank you.
3: God bless.
1: Bye-bye. God bless you, too. All right. Uh, well, we just about have a minute or so left. Again, um, very happy about the news of Nagas Muhammadi winning the Nobel Peace Prize. I hope you will share that with others and keep this in mind as part of this continued struggle that is not over. It's still uh, still continuing, this feeling that things are going to be done quickly, or if they don't get done quickly, it's not happening. That's not the case. Things are still happening. Um, We want to draw as much attention as we can towards this. It is a prize for her, but also a prize for all the women and the people of Iran. And we will continue to fight and support them. Uh, That brings us to the end of today's show. Uh, As always, a big thank you to Farhuda here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadir Lakwi. Zan Zendegi Azadi.